Folks, welcome to an episode of The Yard Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan, he is Mac. Howdy. And this is a show where we uh, look at different pieces of art and try to ascertain and learn, you know, more about the art and ascertain. ourselves. Ascertain, Danny. And um, this week, this was Mac's selection. We are doing a documentary from the year of our Lord, 2018. <laughs> it's a documentary on Netflix. <laughs> it is called Wild Wild Country, directed by... Uh, Chapman and McLean Way, and it is about Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Way like uh, the protein? Sorry? Like way like the protein, like W-H-E-Y? W-A-Y. Thank you for oh. disrupting me. And then it's uh, later known, Rajneesh, later known as Osho, and the growth of uh, his religion, as well as the building and sort of taking down in a way, you know, uh, not literally, but in a way, metaf- metaphorically, uh, of said town in Oregon, in the middle of nowhere next to this town, Antelope. And it's this sort of all these intertwining stories that sort of just go together. And it's like a spider web that just happens with everything that is involved. Um, mm-hmm. um, before we, Mac, get into, you know, why you selected this, because I'm very glad that you did, because it is a fantastic Thank you. piece. Thank you. Um, what the, I mean, the, the brief story behind like the directors reaching upon this was uh-huh. they were in the middle of making the documentary that they made in 2014 called The Battered Bastards of Baseball, which is about a minor league baseball team that was owned by Kurt Russell's dad. Yes, that <laughs> Kurt Russell. And um, while they were in Oregon, there was, uh, and this is all according to the uh, Hollywood Reporter, uh, an interview that they had with them. And, um, there was a guy in Oregon who had all this archival footage that helped them with the documentary and was wondering what they were going to do next and suggested to them, well, there's all this crazy shit that happened in the 80s that is profoundly unbelievable that involves a growth of a, of a religion than a giant uh, poisoning uh-huh. and wiretapping case oh, and God. is something that is still sort of trickled out to this day. And then also the uh, founder of Nike was involved as well. So... That's how they started this because that, I mean, when you are a documentarian and in a way, when you are a documentarian, you are a sort of journalist. You can't turn away from a story like that. Absolutely. And And it's shocking that it's such a little known story because it was something that was a, was national news when it happened. Yeah. And so like we all know, well, that's. I mean, presumptive a little bit, but um, when I say we all, I mean, generally speaking, a lot of us know about Jonestown and the uh, literal drinking of Kool-Aid to poison everybody that lived in Jonestown. And that was a cult that preceded uh, this one that is is done in uh, Rajneeshpuram, which is the town they built in Oregon. And uh, it it precedes that. And so then in the 80s, of course, it gave everybody a spook of like, oh, my God, a cult is happening before our eyes. And this is just like just like Jonestown. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Mac, I want to get into why did you select this? How did you stumble upon this? Because this is such a fascinating documentary that takes its time through six episodes. And it was definitely six episodes that was needed. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like there was any fat that was left on the bone. No, 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 no. This was something that was just 
in a way eloquently done to near it was. perfection. But how how did you find this? How did you stumble upon this? Why did you pick this? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I actually don't remember how I found it. I think I accidentally stumbled upon it. I oh no 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 no. I was bored. The changing of mind. my no. I just remembered. I just now remembered. Yeah. Uh, I was bored my ooh, junior year of college, I okay. believe. It's only, it's only uh, maybe senior years year ago or, or something, something like that. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Which is, I mean, the documentary came out in 2018, so makes that sense. makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, and I was looking up because I just finished The Get Down, which is another awesome show on Netflix. Mm. I was looking up because Netflix was the only streaming service that I had at that time. Other things that were on Netflix that were really good, mm-hmm. and so I found a bunch of lists that were talking about the best things that Netflix had to offer, and. On every single list, I saw Wild Wild Country, but I had no idea what it was about <laughs> at all. And yeah. it kept saying, oh, it's fantastic. It's like a triumph and all this stuff. I had no idea what it was about. It, uh, I decided to take a, take a watch. First two episodes are slower than the rest. Mm-hmm. Not bad, but yeah. slower than the rest. And so I was actually pretty tempted to give it a rest after the second episode. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the first, the first watch. Because, because, so this, the intro that they have in the very first episode, which is like ten minutes in, is they do this like montage of a bunch of like spliced footage of like footage that is maybe like gathered um at the site or just like anything involving like the court cases that yep. were um, litigiously involved with this whole thing. Like, it's all, like, this crazy montage that's spliced together, and I was like, holy shit, how far down the rabbit hole does this go? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in that moment, I was hooked. Like, I couldn't turn away, so I'm fascinated by the fact that you, at least at the end of episode two, you were like, eh, you know, like, you, you were able to have the opportunity to put it down. I yeah. guess I'm just fascinated by that fact. Yeah, the and... It really did. Um, uh, it really did take that montage that you were talking about sure. to you know to to, to remind me. Um, or or uh, as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I I know this picks up eventually, um, and apparently it's amazing. So I I really do need to finish this one out. Yeah. You know. Um, but. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm glad I ended up watching it all the way through. The second that I watched it the first time, I showed it to. Uh, my girlfriend to show it to my mom. I showed it to everyone that I possibly could. You I, really like showing other people stuff that you consume. I do. <laughs> I do. Especially whenever I really think it's interesting. Or sure, worth yeah, talking absolutely, about. absolutely. Um, uh, I don't really care if it's good or bad. I just like talking about things. And this one especially yeah. has provided hours of conversation yeah. um, with, with a lot of people that I know. Um, I, I think I even got your girlfriend to watch it um, at... At one point, uh, I yeah, I was I was getting everyone to watch. It was, it's fantastic. Um, so I'm I'm shocked that it took us this long to come around to it, but I'm glad that we are finally here. Now, one thing that you said uh-huh. that I'm specifically interested in, you called it a religion a few times. You would classify this as a religion, okay? Yes, because um, and I know probably the follow up that you're gonna ask. It's because the uh the founder of this religion then later on in his life said. This is not a religion. Yeah. Um, but it's total, uh, like, it's, it's totally... A, it's a religion, for sure. And at the very least, it's a way of life. And sort of what the basis of this is, for those of you who don't know, is that it's a very um, sort of sex 
uh, liberating, uh, idealized focus on life and joy and happiness and freeing yourself um, from some of the shackles that we put on ourselves in regards to like the relationships that we have with each other and our bodies. Now, this isn't the sort of like, and the commune that they build too, it, this isn't the sort of thing where they completely close themselves off to society. Not at all. All these people are still very much in tune and know what the hell is going on yeah. in the lives around them. Absolutely. You know, they have TVs, they get newspapers. Um, they're st so still, you know, they get crazy Rolls Royces. Um, they yeah. are still very much so. Uh, they're very in connected tune. to the to, to, connected. to the town connected uh, closest is the to world. yeah closest to them. and then but connected to the world at large. They are aware of current events. Like they're yeah. they are not closing themselves off. But they are opening themselves Hell, while to they were at the new life. Uh, while they were at Rajneeshpuram, they sent representatives to go and do interviews around yeah. the country to promote. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. And so, but at the very least, like if it isn't like a religion, then it's a way of life. And if it's not a way of life, then it's just simply a cult and/or business and/or actually both. Uh. So that so that's the thing. So I understand like. I feel like when you start a religion, then you say this isn't a religion, but then you're also having so many people quite literally like worship you at every step and believe that like your life is going to take a course. And then it's also you're talking doomsday scenarios um, with your disciples like. I, it's one of those things that you don't get to make that choice in a way, mm -hmm. whether or not that's a religion, mm. you know? One, one thing, that, oh, you used a word that I am so happy that you used, worship, um, because that really is the the textbook definition of religion. Yeah, we'd hit your oh, microphone, by the way. no, party foul. Nice work. He oh, was scratching his right arm, and then he just, like, <laughs> hit the shock mount. But I think because of the shock mount, it probably didn't pick up too much. Okay. I don't believe He you. said there's no way. There's no way. Oh my gosh! The playbacks. Do you edit these? Do you edit these? No, thank you. I don't edit audio. I don't edit audio. Okay, I used to, but not anymore. Yeah. Um, the because you're way better at editing audio than I am. Um, the uh, yeah, yes, the textbook <laughs> definition of religion yeah. is um, the worshiping of a god or godlike figure. Sure. So, what is it that they worship? Oh, I mean, it's Rajneesh. Yeah. It's, it's Bhagwan. Right, right. You know, and then later on Osho. Like it's so the what's so interesting, it's easily my favorite part about this documentary. I'm gonna I'm gonna tie it to what we're talking about right yes, at this absolutely. current moment. Is how they allow you, the viewer, to come up with your own opinion yes. on everything. Yes. So they have, you know, multiple people who were working the cases. Uh, against Bhagwan, you have multiple people that lived in the town Antelope right next to the commune that was built. You have multiple people that um was living in the commune. Some of those still love Bhagwan. Some of them still, you know, follow Bhagwan even after he left Oregon. A lot. And then some like how they separated from that whole cult as well. But there is what's the best part about this is that you actually see the beauty and the destruction, you know, that came with this like worshipment, right? And so and so the thing is about this religion that was created too was that it was and you know what? Maybe this is a sizzle serve 
Perhaps I'll, I'll just put. I'm gonna put the feelers a out there. I'm sizzle just, serve. You say that, but maybe this isn't a sizzle serve because what I'm gonna say is that I'll try to disagree. Back one was just two thousand years too late. This, uh, yeah, no, I, mean, I totally agree. Yeah, uh, but like this is just a religion that like when we look at other religions and we look at the persecution that they go through and then in, in response to the persecution occasionally or the uh, wish to spread religion, then like violence uh, is also a thing that comes up pretty frequently. And that's a thing in multiple mm. religions throughout the history of man. Yeah. I mean, the Crusades is the best example easily. Yes, so yes. it's it's and and the the directors don't really sort of um, put that out there specifically that sort of like hypocrisy right there. Um, but I mean, but there's I feel like you can pick up on it pretty quickly. Yeah. And so um, yeah, no, I'm, I, there there was a really interesting quote a while back that. Uh, I can't remember who said it. I Great. suck. I know. I'm on but, the case. Uh, it's basically um, cults are just religions that haven't stood the test of time. Um, it is uh, the 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 idea being that all religions start as a group of people that follow something that no one else is believing, right? Or that no one else wants to believe, and that everyone views taboo. Right. Right. Cult is just a uh, negative connotation. And by the way, that quote was Frank Zappa. Uh, the only difference between a cult and a religion is the amount of real estate they own. Um, oh, that's good. And I don't know if that was the exact one that uh -huh. you were trying to quote. But, but, that's, that's, but that's the same idea. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's at the core of like what's going on here. We're not even like discussing the morality of what's going on, you know, with, the town of Rajneesh Param and everybody who presided in it and everybody who presided without it. But at the end of the day, whether or not what they were doing was good or bad, because they were different, they're going to be looked at differently. And because yep. this religion wasn't a thing 2,000 years before, and because this religion was happening right now at this moment, and when I say right now at this moment, I mean the 80s, there were, of course, going to be people that are like, that makes me uncomfortable. That goes against my sensibilities and everything that I stand for personally, even mm -hmm. though, in a way, some of them did not want to be involved. But it's what is even doubly more interesting is just to see the human turmoil, I suppose is the word. Specifically, this documentary short series focuses a lot on one individual that is still alive in yep. particular, yep. Ma Anad Sheila. Sheila was the secretary to a Bhagwan for the longest time, multiple, multiple, multiple years, and was at his beck and call and basically did everything in the name of Bhagwan. And then, so what it also becomes is that when she then felt that her back was up against the wall in some situations, then she would turn to more aggressive tactics, which would then eventually lead to the poisoning and the, the sedating of multiple homeless people, the poisoning and causing a salmonella outbreak, the conspiracy to kill U.S. senators and attorneys. It's this whole thing that occurs that it's what what brings me 
so much just I want to fucking just bite my teeth into it is you that whole journey for her tracks in a way the storytelling in this documentary is immaculate because of that because because of course none of us are going to agree with sheila at all what sheila did was absolutely wrong and also the fact that she feels no empathy is also kind of terrifying for all the horrible things that she conspired and actually did do right she has no regret about so much of it Mm -hmm. that is terrifying but we can absolutely see how this tracks for her that she finds herself to be devoted to one individual doing everything in the name for him even at something as grand as building a city from nothing which is amazing she was asked in an interview three years ago uh what uh why she went about um poisoning the people at the salad bar the way that she did uh-huh. um and her response to that was uh i don't want to discuss that and they said why not and then she said um because i served 39 months in prison and uh for attempted murder and that should be she did um, and she Boy, said, yes, I would, and I'd that be, should but... be enough. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. I gave Mac a glance, not because I was shocked by the fact of like she spent 39 months in prison, which is, I mean, also not very not long very considering like what she three years. did. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was more so like, what is he going to say? So I'm sorry for cutting oh, you off. Sorry. But I feel like I had to mention. Oh, that, that, no, it was just... funny. It was very funny. <laughs> just seeing your face. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And she just said, true. I spent 39 months in prison. Uh, I shouldn't be punished for it my whole life. Um, which it's very similar to most of the things that they that they preach uh, um, in their, and I will call it a religion. Um, I agree with it fundamentally, but yeah. uh, there's also part of me that's like, well, I mean, why can't you just talk about it? You know, like sure. Well, I mean, but then what is also interesting is that, like, for this documentary, then she, but still discusses so much of it. Yeah. But, but but also what it feels like is that all this info that we got of Sheila and what she conspired to do was not from Sheila. Yeah. Was from the attorneys that were working on the cases, were from the townsfolk and what they found out. Were from uh, Jane Stork. I was about to say who Jane. was then known as oh. Shanti B. And um, Jane ends up being like the dark horse, the secretary of this. to the secretary. Jane essentially. ends up being maybe the superstar of this documentary series. Because what makes Jane so interesting is that she attempted murder against somebody, um, the the personal doctor to Bagwan, mm-hmm. and she is unsuccessful. But, like, she realizes at some point, oh, my God, I need to free myself right. from this and what I was doing. What I did was absolutely horrendous Like, her story is the most dramatically interesting. Yes. And so it's very easy to find yourself um, uh, getting closer and closer to her and more interested in what she's doing and what she has to say. And, and the, what makes... Jane fundamentally, and I'm going to use the term character, like these are real people, I understand that, I know that, in the context of like the story, in a way they are like characters, but what made Jane's character, quote unquote, 
so much stronger was actually how that was counter to Niren. And who Niren was was that he was basically also the personal lawyer of Bagwan and the entire estate and then became mayor later on uh-huh. of the town. And he was still very much so devoted to Bagwan even after he left Oregon when Jane was not. And and even more so that Niren like Niren is not his uh, birth name. Uh, it's Philip Toix. Yes. And then Jane, you know, Jane, she goes back to her birth name. And so it's this it's this beautiful sort of mirror that we're looking at for the two where they both in a way they both still love Bagwan, right? But yes. it was like their relationship to him and their relationship with Sheila and their relationship with the commune was completely different yeah. as well. The weirdest thing is that there is no one throughout this entire documentary or anyone that I've seen outside of the context of the documentary, even in like interviews and whatnot, that uh, there's no one that started loving the Bhagwan uh-huh. that ever stopped. Yeah. Everyone that loved him at some point still to this day loves yeah. him even or for loves Jane, him to their death where bed. like some of this just haunts her she's like you know? i mean it was crazy but it was also some of the best years of my life and i am still i, I still have so much love for yeah for osho and, and it's what crazy. and and what makes this so fascinating too is the the sort of two sides of the same coin that this documentary is constantly showing you. It's fantastic that all these people came together to build a town out of nothing. Yeah. It is also a little bit shameful that it's infringing on the town that's literally next door and yeah. not considering, you know, what those towns people want for the lives that they have and already the small town that they have. Right. That well, they also- Bhagwan can be a con man, but he can also I mean, if he was a con man, but he can also be this sort of like hope that he gives to people. It can be both. Mm-hmm. And so the documentary doesn't tell you to think one way or the other. Yeah. It just gives you this information to think on your own. So whether or not you believe Niren, for example, Niren is a wonderful individual or not is really fascinating because it's like all the things he did was really, really good you know, in a way, like yeah. intrinsically, intrinsically good things and, and how he believed in Bagwan as well and how he wanted to protect, you know, Bagwan and other people. And then also, like, he was a big part of this cult as well. I, and so, like, what what's that to say about everything that surrounds him and him himself? Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, no. Um, I got really emotional seeing uh, Niren get emotional about um, just the potential, you know? Seeing him talk about, you know, th- this could have been so great. And it was so close if people like Sheila didn't fuck it up for everybody. Um, In a way. Yeah. Which I I kind of understand yeah. and agree with. Um, what's interesting is that uh, really a lot of people, it seems, agree with his perspective there. That most people that have talked about Sheila... Um, outside of the Bhagwan, didn't really like her all that much. The only reason that people put up with her is because uh, Osho just um, 
didn't worship her. No, that's right. I was about to say that. That's not accurate. But, but like, but was really always, gassed her up. Yeah. Gave her a lot of credit. Gave her a lot of ethos. And authority. A lot of authority. You know. Um, and kept telling people like, she has the authority. She's like, the listen to her. For me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it kind of became clear that that was intentional on his part that he made her bad cop and him good cop. Oh, for sure. And so that and like, like that's if how anything, people kept loving him. Well, and and this is something that you see in like corruption a lot too, yeah. where um, or at least like stories that involve corruption is you have this leader of sorts but they have everybody below them do all the work so it never falls back uh-huh. on the leader uh-huh. and so i think i think it's fair to say that it's highly extremely likely that bagwan had a hand or at least some involvement in a lot of the stuff that sheila did uh-huh. or at least like hey i want you to make this happen Whatever it takes. Yeah. By any Funny means enough, necessary. This is a uh, directing strategy. No joke. A like, directing strategy? We talk about this in directing. And it's something that I, I use all the damn time when directing. Um, you get either an assistant director or a stage manager. Probably stage manager. Safest bet. That can be a dick. Um, and they're the pushy one. They're the one that always mm. is on the actor's case. They're always that. Because... Could you be that as a director? Yes, and like that's like it's, it's still possible to direct a show decently that way. But specifically, if you're if you're uh, working on a show that isn't um, like you need a lot of collaboration, you need yeah. a lot of give from the actors. Yeah, uh, you have to work really hard at managing your relationship with the actors, and it's impossible to like accurately and and. Uh, and effectively manage your relationship with them if you have to be a dick all the time. So you offload all of that bad cop energy onto, you know, some sort of stage manager and then you're you continue being the good guy even though you're the one telling the stage manager to be a dick. You have to keep that status as the good guy that you can come to because we have to work together and I have to you have to be able to trust me. Um yeah. because you have to be emotionally vulnerable to do your job. And then once again, it's like the, it's still it's the two sides of the same coin there. Mm. I mean, even in that example, like it's regardless of whether or not the, the the director or the SM stage manager is fulfilling that role, like, but they're still like aiding in towards the production. And then like to bring it back to Sheila, like she did all of those awful things, and then now is also. Uh, helping people with uh, dementia and schizophrenia mm-hmm. uh, and older individuals in a home, right? Like, it's just... Well, it's the it Roald Dahl it, thing. It's, it's, it makes it so fascinating, yeah, that, like, people are insanely complicated. And so what's really interesting as well is that when you have um, the first episode be a lot about, like, the growth of the religion and the growth of the town and all the beautiful things that they're doing. And then you start the second episode with Weaver, uh, which is one of the U.S. attorneys uh, that worked on the case against Baguan, saying this was evil. Like, just that blatantly. Like, he wanted to make that clear that this was evil. Yeah. It's such crazy, but it's like a story that, like, when you have something like that, to showcase complicated human beings, you have to tell that story. And I'm happy that story 
was told in this fashion. I completely agree. And I would really like to talk more about Sheila, especially because she is the most interesting character. Um uh, maybe not the best, but but the one that is that is most interesting for sure. Oh my as God, my it's a fine, freaking, wow, I know as my vibrator goes off. Um, You're a vibrating phone. No, no, my, a... as my as my vibrating goes off. Um, I'm so sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I'm riffing here, Danny. That was awful. Um, We're going to break. We'll go to break. We'll, we'll see you later. And welcome back. Anyways, um. So, Danny, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Sheila, um, the... Uh, oh, my God. What? Oh, that was just bordering. You were just playing a dangerous game there. Oh, That's okay. all I'm going to say. I was, I was all I'm gonna say. Listen, it's okay. Hey, listen, listen to me. Listen to me. You don't have to explain. I'm just letting It'd you... It would probably be better if I didn't. Y- yes. What do you think I'm doing right now? Saving me. Yes. Now, what were you going to say what about Sheila? Um, what I was going to say about Sheila, um, she had a lot of people that... Uh, it, that were in the cult yeah. that hated her guts um, sure. or and that were perfectly aware of yeah. what she was doing, right? Um, I actually have two different quotes from people that were in the uh, in the community but that were not shown in the, in the documentary, um, people that were just there, just regular citizens. Because as you saw, there were thousands of people that were living there yeah. that were never shown – um, at all in the documentary, right? And crazy, crazy impressive, just like the, the infrastructure and yes. the size yeah. and like what it took to put that town together. It's genuinely a beautiful thing that happened. Uh-huh. Like that's genuinely beautiful that many people were able to collaborate, work together and and build something amazing. So, but please uh, go ahead with these quotes that you're about um, to read. There was a, uh, there was a person named uh, Surendra. Okay. That... Uh, is currently living in uh, as a as a photographer in Japan. Uh-huh. Uh, they grew up in East London and they lived uh, at Rajni's Prom for nine months. Okay, um, and was like one of the people that were working twelve hour days, like to build. Like they were they were building a lot, right? And uh, what they said is, and he that- doesn't even. Here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing: is that my, Max phone goes off again. It goes off again it in does, this segment, and he doesn't even put it on Do Not Disturb. He doesn't even turn it off. He doesn't do even do anything. Disturb, he does not even mode, learn mode. his um, lesson in regards look, to anything. Look, look. But anyways. It was Amber Alert. So you were talking Amber about. Amber was screaming at me. Uh, there was. Um, yeah, I was talking about. Sorry, the, the, the quote. The quote reads this. Sheila was an unusual sannyasin. She was a politician with a politician's ability. Yeah. Um, that, that was very, very clear. Uh, in the uh, in the perspective of the um, of the people of of the people, uh, yeah, that I mean, but like, but in a way, that was her job as well. And so I can, of course, of course, some people are going to be uncomfortable yeah. by that as well. But but part of Sheila's job was to essentially be the spokesperson uh-huh. for Bagwan yeah. and to have all those press meetings and put in the good word. For sannyasins, and sannyasins is just um, people who follow that religion, what they call themselves, and for Rajneesh Param. Obviously, she did a very poor job on that. And basically, yeah. um, because even though, oh, let me just say, she antagonized a lot of people. She did. And so when you are making a new religion, and you're having this thing pop out of nowhere, and you have everybody involved in your religion 
wear red and, and these these beaded necklaces. Um, and of course, like, I understand that, once again, all this sort of tracks, right? Where a lot of this aggression starts with the bombing of the hotel that a lot of Sinyasins were in, uh. you know? But all the same, like, people, people aren't going to see that, mm-hmm. you know? And so very clearly she puts a target on everybody's back, per se, uh, for this town. And so, of course, she has to weave through all these things, but she also weaves through everything in the town as well. And so when you have this one person who speaks for all of you and maybe you don't agree with her, of course, you know, there's going to be a little yeah. bit of headbutting, per se. And and what's the uh, second quote uh, that you have? Noah Maxwell. Noah Maxwell was a child um, that lived in... Uh, Rajneesh Puram, uh-huh. uh, that I think he was like 10 or 11 whenever he lived there. Okay. Um, and he grew up, uh, he grew up and uh, eventually started to talk to, um, this one is from The Guardian. Um, and there's an entire, uh, there's an entire article just about Noah Maxwell's experience. Yeah. Um, and he said uh, that he, his memory of Sheila is that she was, an extremely confident person and was pretty funny, but, um, and this is a quote, but I also knew because I would hear from my parents that she was ruthless. And I think it was clear the power that she had, uh, over the people and Bhagwan. Interesting. Yeah. That, that it was clear to everyone Yeah, that ev- in the entire community that everyone knew. But it's also the sort of thing where then everybody's put in a tough position yeah. because she's Bagwan's secretary and spokesperson. Right. So if you do anything bad to her, then it's going to come back to you. Right. They allude to it in like the final episode as well, that that was a regular thing that happened to people living in the commune yeah. that we have a uh, sunshine uh, was uh. her name um, that, that was her given Sinyasin name. And also I think like her name is sunny as well. Um, but uh, there was a moment where she grabbed all of the roses that sat on the hood of a Rolls Royce that uh, Bhagwan was driving. And the next day she got like really bad sort of food poisoning. Like this was a supposedly a common thing that happened for a lot of the individuals in this commune where if Sheila felt that that, that Bhagwan was going to like... Not, I, I don't want to say groom them, but but had a favor towards them. Sheila tried her best to put that shit down mm-hmm. and have everything in her power, power to put that shit down. And, like, how that happens, of course, is when, like, then you, you Sheila, got a very tight-knit group of people to devote themselves to her and one of them being Jane. Yep. And so it's just, like, how, oh, I'm so sorry, but how this no, whole Jane. thing unravels is not only is the story so interesting and just so fascinating and I'm so happy that it's a story that was told but it's also the story telling of it of watching everything be unwound it's just it's honestly a master class in documentary storytelling <laughs> uh, I know I fumbled on that word for some reason I had a stroke in the middle of that word Terry. I was yeah. trying to find some sort of adverb yeah. or something, but um, yeah. but it's I mean it's truly a sort very of like masterclass yeah. in regards to all of that, and and they painted very clearly that 
that totally makes sense. Sheila had that power and people were in essence afraid. Well, a lot of, of documentaries back themselves into a corner and not intentionally, but purely because they don't have the resources to interview the bad guys. You know what I mean? Like sure. Most of the time they have a good guy and a bad guy in a documentary or like the people that were rooting for the people that were rooting against because we don't have the means or the resources to interview the people that were yeah. uh, the bad guys. And sometimes it's like documentaries like that revolve around people who are dead. And like even though Osho is dead, there are uh-huh. still plenty of people who were heavily involved and alive. And right. so even though some of the dead can't defend themselves, and- you have enough of the living that can really paint uh-huh. the story. This isn't like a situation where um, I- I'm going to compare this to uh, The Last Dance. For those of you who don't know, The Last Dance is a Michael Jordan documentary that uh, – was released um, sort of at the very beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. and uh, was the only thing that we were able to satiate ourselves with. Yeah. Um, and it was good. I loved Last Dance. So that's fine. But Dude, the no. biggest issue with Last Dance was how Jerry Krause could not defend himself. Right. He, yes. That Jerry Krause was dead by the time they were making this documentary and there was so much shit talking and so much stuff that we don't know as well about Jerry Krause yes. that it felt so fucking dirty. Yeah, Everything evol- revolving around Jerry Krause. True. But what made it make sense for this documentary, of course, like Osho's been dead for now, um, oh my gosh, like 30 plus years. Um, even with that how Osho was viewed to these people, they were also still like pretty disconnected as well. And, and in a way, um, they were, they were people who were heavily involved with Osho's life and his ongoings and what he did, you know? So, so that's, that's the thing. And like, even then, like these are people that still like love Osho, you know, the people who were heavily involved and the people yeah. who weren't as heavily involved um, or rather um, were on the outskirts, may, may them be attorneys or the people of Antelope, like they had opinions about Osho, but they were defended by the people who loved Osho. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. nobody was defending Jerry Krause no. in The Last Dance. No. Nobody. No. They buried him they did. Uh, in, in more ways than one. Oh, no. You're right, though. You know, yeah. and so so that's that's a thing that also like excels in this documentary. Right. Uh, I'm sorry for cutting you no. off with whatever thought no. that you were having. No, you're you're absolutely right, and it really is uh, tough that they don't have um, that 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 they don't have someone to represent Jerry Krause in the Last Dance. I agree, yeah. and I wish that more documentaries had the the opposite opinion. What's so awesome and so lucky, fortunate about uh, Wild Wild Country is that they actually do, um, well, there isn't really a bad guy or a good guy because everyone thinks they're the good guy. And it was awesome to see so many different perspectives, not just uh, because it's such a complicated topic. Every person that's there has a unique and interesting perspective. It's not like... Sure. it's not like 10 people are telling us the same shit about the Bhagwan. It's that everyone has different stories and different experiences. And uh, there, there is no one that uh, is in the wrong per se because everyone's so unbelievably justified that you as an audience member really don't know where you lie. Go ahead. It, it did not feel like Chapman and McLean Way ha- 
impose their own bias on anything. And right. like specifically what they set out to do was have these people speak their truth. And they did. And in a way, as a journalist, right? Like this is such a journalistically impressive documentary. And as a journalist, that's your sort of job, yeah. right? And of course, like we're all going to have these biases and we're all going to have these stories that we want to tell and want to share and want to express. And maybe sometimes as my bone cracks on my ankle, um, that sometimes like, hey, maybe this opinion that is actually sort of like dangerous to share, maybe I won't share it, right? But, I mean, now, of course, this being, you know, 40 years removed from the events as well, it's important for these people to share their truth and for the directors to allow that to take place, regardless of how these people were involved, is super duper crucial because then, because when that happens... Exactly. It allows you to craft your own opinion on the matters mm-hmm. and allows you to figure out for yourself, well, then who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Is Osho really good? Is Osho really bad? Like, it, it allows you to figure out on your own accord, like, what you believe is right and wrong. And even more, kind of in a way, too sort of paint the picture for you of like what what would you have done if you were in Rajneesh Param? Like what would you have done if you were in Ooh. Sheila's position? What would you have done if you were you in Shanti B slash Jane's position? Would you also find yourself attempting to murder the doctor to the man you worship? Mm-hmm. Like like these are like crazy things, but that happen to seemingly normal people that I think what caught me so off guard about a lot of the people in Rajneesh Param was that, oh no, these people seem relatively normal. They just seem like anybody. And they were just in need of something for themselves for the lives that they were living. That could be anybody. Yes. And so, like, painting that makes us really think to ourselves what would we have done if somebody who came up to me and was representing Baguan and like wanting to convert me in a way and I don't mean that word maliciously I mean that word because I just can't think of another word as well but like somebody who was seeking to convert me like could I be converted could I be in a vulnerable position where I'm where I would say yeah, I want to go to a town in the middle of nowhere in Oregon and be loved by everyone around me. Like, yeah, that's that's the picture that the documentary paints for you to look at, and that's such a fine thing to do because they they didn't need to do that. Yeah, you know, they could have expressed their own bias, and we'll get to you in a second. And they could have expressed their own bias of like all these things were wrong or no all these things were right it's like no let's just tell the truth of what these uh, the, tell the truth of these people right because they can't get the entire truth because some of that truth is dead but let's get as much truth as we can what were you going to say uh mac there really are two questions like you said yeah it boils down to and I, i'm actually posing these to you now on behalf of the documentary okay do you think that you 
could have been swayed to be in this cult. One. Two, do you think there is a version of yourself uh, from here on out that, that someday or in some way is it possible that you could ever be driven to attempt murder? If I am watching this documentary and I'm seeing people like Niren or Jane or Sunshine or KD or any other sort of person that is involved with Rajneesh Param, if I'm seeing those people being able to be converted to Osho slash Bhagwan, then I don't see why I couldn't, right? And, like, I would like to believe also, and I feel like there's a cough coming in a moment, so I'm just going to warn everyone, but I feel like also that it's this slow, you know, simmer to a boil that is like these people's actions. It was what I was talking about. That like, if you if you said to Jane before she goes to Rajneesh Param, hey, you're gonna try to kill somebody and you're gonna conspire to kill a lawyer, uh, she'd be like, no, I would never do that. Yeah. And so I, of course, would like to believe I would never do that. Um, and me at this moment, I would never do that. Yeah. Right. I can't discount the possibility of like maybe 20 years from now I'm really down on my luck in something and then this thing sort of just happens to me where I'm like oh there's hope there oh I want to take my life there you know like I cannot discount Mm -hmm. that possibility and so it speaks to the nature thank you Danny it speaks to the nature of like not just cults and how easy it is to be involved in cults. It also just intrinsically speaks to the nature of religion. Yes, yes. And, like, so me being down on my luck and, like, 20 years from now and trying to find hope in something, like, that doesn't have to be in a cult. That can be in any form of religion that fulfills me. It just happened to be this that fulfilled those people. You mm-hmm, know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, that. That's that's the biggest key. And so what makes it interesting for the people in Antelope is that they don't necessarily have that perspective because they were so closely involved with the going-ons of the town literally next door. But, like, that's an important perspective to have. Yep. Of, like, it's so easy, potentially, to fall into that. Yeah. And, you know, they they can, they believe not excuse me i was really going to start that sentence off poorly but like they view themselves and they believe in god and they worship jesus um and they worship god and and are good faithful christians but also fail to see that like how they're expressing their religion is cultish behavior here and there as well mm-hmm. you know like once again as i drop my pen that these things can be both and that's so important to recognize. And so I can be a person that refrains myself from doing those awful things or just simply refrains myself from going to a town like Rajneesh Param or just whatever sort of commune, right? Um, but I can also be a person that does do that. But at this moment right now, that's all I know about me. You know, I can't yeah. I can't know 20 years in the future. You know, if you talk to these people before they went to Rajneesh Param, they would think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, but 
those those lives were forever changed for better or for worse uh and that's that really sticks with me for those people and once again it's that sort of thing it's the entire thing tracks for a lot of those people that's just like this is just what i needed in the moment and like it's something about how he spoke and there's something about how he just looked at me was just like i'm i'm just enthralled by who you are and i want to worship you and once again i don't mean that in a negative way it's just these people loved him right right found Um, themselves in those positions sorry no 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 uh i i agree with you that there is a lot of uh tie-in in relation to just general religion sure um and it just the exact same way that religion is, it's not necessarily the belief or the ideology that is the downfall. It is, uh, it is the uh, the human interaction and, um, I mean, just manipulation of it. Yeah. Um, that that really is the downfall. Like, uh, if you look at, I mean, and one of the most fascinating things, just ever, is the Catholic Church. Um, sure. If you look at the Catholic Church, there are a lot of really, really good things the Catholic Church done, sure. has done. And there are a lot of great people, great popes that came from the Catholic Church. There are also so many corrupt ones, so many psychopathic ones, so many disgusting ones, yeah. people and things. Um, and they all, every one of them, used the word of God to get whatever it was they wanted. Um, yeah. And we're able to, and, and, and not just like uh, we're lying about it. Not the, the, it, it wasn't they were, uh, and this is kind of touched on in the um, series on Netflix that just recently came out, Midnight Mass. It's not necessarily that, uh, that they are preaching one thing and then practicing something entirely different behind closed doors. It's mm-hmm. that the thing that they are preaching can also be interpreted as something that is very malicious. Just like the Hillsborough Baptist Church, um, that uh, were were like vividly anti-gay to the point where they believed that um, gays should be incarcerated and in some cases burned at the stake. Oh, that yeah, terrifying. Mm. But it's not that they are that they are practicing something different than their preaching. It's that mm-hmm. they are using the Bible to justify that action. That's but crazy. it's it's also it's also um what. You have to keep in mind, too, is that it's the case of when are you having the part represent the whole, right? And so, like, I'm sure, like, in the case of, like, some really awful priest in Catholic faith or, like, just going to use the example of, like, um, they were, you know, many years ago, there were, like, a huge scandal of priests who were consistently molesting children. Butler. And, yeah, which which is... Wow! Holy shit! Poor phrasing. Oh my god! Oh, oh my god! Oh, no, you son of a bitch! Oh no! Okay, oh, uh, which is yikes, um, that hurt. which is uh, uh, disgust in uh, is the central disgust core of the, is the movie. How I describe myself. Uh, spotlight, right now. and uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. And um, <laughs> right, but 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 there are some people that 
have that part represent the whole, that what those priests did represent, okay, I cannot trust the Catholic faith, right? That there are definitely going to be some people that look at what Sheila did and said, okay, I'm not going to trust this religion at all. I'm not going to trust this um, sort of practice at all. You know, there's there are still going to be some people that do that. And as now, I seamlessly uh, transition into very briefly and very quickly into uh, just a heady play, a heady play yeah. that was... Uh, just in the actual doing of this documentary and the actual editing of it, what was so brilliantly and well bleeping done was, and there's a lot of archival footage. There's a lot of old footage in this documentary, of course. What is so great is when, let's say, for example, there's an interview that's going on in some of this old footage, and then they're kind of splicing together it, right? They're editing it together where, you know, the person says one thing, but then they use also, they say the one thing and then they cut to uh, a quote later on in the same interview. So what they do, this sort of like editing effect that it looks like it's on an old TV and somebody just hit the side of the TV, you know, of the, of the TV, right? It's this sort of like static that happens that it's actually... Like an, yeah. a, a, a very cool and neat editing trick yep. to get to another part in the documentary. It is like, I didn't notice it at first, but I was like, oh, wait, they just cut there. But it was, that cut was so, like, artistically done. They did not have to do that. But it was like it actually enriched of, like, we're looking into the past that. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. We are looking into the past currently. And we're, we, in, a, in a way, we we're... We're now like sitting in the present and you know thinking about the future, but it's like it's this piece of the past that's still living in a way. I don't know how to describe it, but it was that sort of like idea that really stuck with me because of that editing trick, right? That it felt like it felt so much more fluid because of that. Uh -huh. That everything was so much more seamlessly done. I mean, this was just artistically impressive yes you know what i'm saying like there was such an artistic yes. value to what was being done that mm -hmm. is not often seen in documentaries uh -huh. uh, that they're just focused on the story but they're focused on like the storytelling as well which is not often what is think. also really really impressive and i'm so glad that they did this is that they uh i mean because their content um and because uh their story takes place in the 80s there's so much footage so much footage, so many interviews, so yeah. many news reports. Um, yes, yeah, so on many people television. that are just recording at the uh, like in the city because or in the town because they just have uh, camcorders and stuff around them, and it, it's it makes for really really easy to digest storytelling because uh, it's not a documentary in that it um, there's just always image to a company um whereas with jonestown there are some crazy images but there aren't nearly as many uh nearly as many videos and as many things to draw from because it just took place a tiny bit earlier and there were so many uh fewer people that were dedicated to uh publicizing it you know 
Oh God! I just ate my own spit. It's too oh, minute warning, by the way. No. Um, I oh, I don't you. know if you were aware. You looked at the computer, and I was like, "Oh, he knows it's a two minute warning." But then he was like, "He just kept going." Listen, this is a very good documentary. I'm happy that you suggested it. And I, what you're staring at me? Yes, funnily. yes, no, no, no I'm so, listening. But this listening. is a very good documentary, and I'm impressed by like what was going on in the storytelling. And I'm surprised I never heard the story before. But it was so artistically done. I recommend this to everyone. Mac, I totally agree. Um, I think that every single person uh, that is listening to this right now that is uh, of decent age, um, I should absolutely. Uh, watch Wild Wild Country. Um, I think that bad name though. Very, it's not a good name. It's no, not it's a good not name for a flowy. documentary. Um, yeah, yeah. It 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 it's a mouthful. Wild Wild Country. It's I just hate that. Also, really Wild generic. Country, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't tell you anything about what yeah. the actual uh, piece is about. Um, but uh, highly recommended, Danny. With our remaining uh twenty three seconds, what would you like for us to view or consume next week okay so um this is going to be a sort of pseudo sequel to something that we've already consumed which is very weird but it's not a sequel at all in in another way so if you don't remember uh we actually reviewed uh dynasty warriors and if you don't know dynasty warriors the movie was actually based off of a game which was based off of a novel and we are going to actually watch you know with the same characters of course something that happens a little bit later in that same novel it's going to be a movie directed by John Woo, and it's titled Red Cliff. Thank you.